has set this whole thing up! Are you guys saying you want them to destroy the Minerva? You just don't get it! This is why I told you to go back. You say you don't want to fight, but you keep coming back here! Alright, it's time we moved up to... <gasps> Engines to maximum! Yes, sir. Engines to maximum! Engines to maximum! But why? Do we have to? We have to destroy the Minerva, right? Then let's go do it. Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast, according to at least one iTunes review, that now has to watch Destiny. My name is Jeremy. And I'm fresh out of chickens. I'm Tyler. Calm and collected and still present, my name is Zach. Only recently, (laughs) though, so... Well, I mean, calm is always relative with me. Collected, I don't think I've ever been. I feel like no one is calm and collected this episode. Maybe Kira by the end of it. Um, I think Kira's pretty calm and collected throughout the entire thing. He doesn't spend a lot of time yelling at anybody. It's more <laughs> of like, yeah, you. We do get a very classic Atherin <laughs> this episode. Uh, I was actually thinking Neo seems like he's fine most of this episode. Okay, I will get into it. What did you think of this episode, Tyler? This is kind of a big one on the Gundam Seed track, so I'm very curious what your thoughts are. Um complicated um it like ended really intense and i'm not sure it deserved it but also i like i just kind of stopped taking notes because i was just watching i'm like oh wow oh wow oh wow it's at (laughs) least got that going for it right yeah there's definitely some spectacle if nothing else and there are definitely a couple more episodes of seed that have that going for them too which is one of the reasons it's so hard to pinpoint an episode where it goes wrong and a lot of people have different opinions this is on some people's list you this mean is, Destiny? Yeah, what did I say? You just said Seed. Okay, well, you know. This is part of where Seed went wrong as well. It's interesting to know episode 29 of Seed is where Nickel dies, and this episode has a lot of that same energy. It does, actually. Um, we got, Yeah, I guess. We got Kira and Athrin inksing at each other. Also, that's the episode where the strike goes through all three forms in one battle, and this is the episode where the impulse goes through all three forms in one battle. We got that, like, dyna- well, no, not, that's not it, dramatic enemy mobile suit in front of the bridge of the hero ship oh yeah we get that again don't worry we get that entire episode again in destiny and i'm not sure i dislike that (laughs) (laughs) we already got it here basically my my brain dislikes that but my lizard brain is like yeah i could watch takira yamato destroy everyone again (laughs) yeah i could i could watch that episode again i don't need to watch it again here well but that one has the broadside combat that you know it's good for me we'll get there so yeah it's got a real intensity to it it feels like something happened, which has been one of our complaints about Destiny thus far. And at least this isn't just a repeat of the last time the Archangel interfered in a naval battle between the Minerva and the Arb forces. It feels very similar, though. Except, yes. like, this is really how that first one should have ended, in my opinion, just so that we can move the plot forward. But nope, we need to fill out two episodes of Luna spying well, on Athrin. For a long time, this episode and the first one had the same description on Crunchyroll. Yep. Anything else you want to say about it before we get into it, Tyler? This shot of the Minerva makes the front of it look like some sort of weird deep sea fish. 
You know, looking at it, I think it's got the two catapults on the side. That is a terrible idea. So does the Archangel, though. Yeah, but see, the difference between the Archangel and the Minerva is the Archangel doesn't have anything in front of them. That's true. This is just asking for somebody to pancake onto that front wing. Yeah, but people only go up off the catapult. <laughs> to land directly on top of the catapult. I mean, Shin and Atherin go over what's in front of it. But... Well, Atherin goes over it. Shin launches from that top part. Oh, you're right. You're because right. the impulse own... is a terrible fucking design. He has his own special catapult. That explains a question I had for later in the episode. I wasn't sure where Shin's piece catapult came out of. Yeah, it comes from that middle portion um, right you can kind of see the, the cavity the bridge. So if you're just joining us for the first time here, at least you picked an okay one, an intense one. There's an angry boy. He wants to protect a girl who's hurt. There's a sangry boy. He doesn't know what he wants. And there's a sad boy who wants to stop the sangry and angry boy from killing a jerk who stole his country. And also help his sister who wants to do that even more. Millie's back on the Archangel. She got all that screen time this episode. It's a good thing she's there. <laughs> I mean, I do like the reintroduction of Millie, but unfortunately, like, it's kind of like joining the bridge crew. Now she's just part of the bridge crew again. Mayrin gets more lines than her in this episode, and Mayrin has the same job. And Mayrin never gets any lines. Does she get one line? Is that how many she She, gets? She gets a couple, because she screams when her sister blows up. Yep. She gets a couple responding to Shin. Okay. I only remember her screaming when Luna blew up. By the way, Luna, Luna blows up this episode. Like, she goes so viral on thing, the internet. We went very different directions with that joke. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I'm not into that. Neither that, am I. It's funny because that's almost the exact reason why they don't... Uh, well, one of the reasons why they don't put uh, siblings on the same ship anymore. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. That said... Nothing about the Zaft military makes sense, and we've gone over that a hundred times. True, although I guess the Zaft military also couldn't end up with the same level of, we had five siblings on the same ship and they all died. Really, Zaft should not be sacrificing its young people, but that's another. Yeah, due to the whole population problem and the fact that they can't have children. On the other hand, they are out here so they don't get nuked, and that would be worse, I suppose. What I want to know is where exactly did all the military buildup come from if you can't exactly have a lot of children, like. How did you just replenish everybody who died after the last war? My presumption is it's this generation that's about to reproduce is the one that actually has the deep problem. So like Atherin and uh, Lacus, so they have not had kids yet. Well, I think they said it was like birth rates were declining in the previous series. So like this was a problem that was acknowledged, which is why they went to the, uh, uh, what's it called? The like arranged marriages. We're going to get into that a lot more next episode. But for now, we are watching episode 28 survivors and sacrifices you can watch along on youtube in the year 2020 and if you're listening to this in 2020 what better do you have to do um (laughs) well that's true or crunchyroll or i think hulu but i don't know i just say that every week (laughs) i can check i have access to hulu why because i know people who actually pay for hulu why i don't know (laughs) Now says, we get to the root. I don't know. Says the dude paying for Crunchyroll and Funimation streaming at the same time. Yeah, the problem with paying for Hulu is that they still play ads after that's you pay the, the money. That's the thing that's crazy to me. Yeah, 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 I get value out of Crunchyroll. All right, so we open up with last time. Remember how a big fight was going to happen? Kigali was sad about it, and Kira's like, my girlfriend said we should go do that. Get another shot of the AWACS mobile suit. It only shows up once in the entire series. We need to see as much of it as we can. Well, they spent the time to animate it. <laughs> I love Gladys's face as they're like lowering the bridge. It's just like two dots. Yeah, there's some bad animation this episode. There's also a lot of really good animation, but uh, they're definitely paying for it by giving the B team a couple of the shots. Well, we're still going over the last time because now is when like 
we saw it a couple of episodes ago. We're into that area where Destiny is really stretching, so they're using a lot of archived stuff. To be fair, this episode, it's mostly just in the last time. There are a few reused uh, stock footage attacks, but not as many that as even in a typical Gundam Seed episode. Hey, Aul and Sting are here. I kind of wish we got a reminder about Aul missing Stella and not yep. knowing he missed Stella. Because also spoilers for about 20 minutes from now. You know, I still think the Strike Rouge has a decent color scheme. Like, it's weird. I think it's got a nice... I think the color scheme's actually okay on that one. Yeah, it's fine. I like it a lot more with the wider wing pack they gave it in Destiny. And then we get the theme song. I, I miss being able to just say, then then High and Mighty Keller yells at us. <laughs> I really do. Instead, now we have this other person who is not yelling at us, like, actually kind of singing at us. I do want to, the very last line of this, just talk about it for a second. Yeah, the subtitles they put on it are not what I have seen it translated as either. It's an English line, too. So it's, yep. just, it's no our wishes over their airspace. <laughs> an English line in the double O opening that is my favorite. It might get shot down. It's in dangerous territory. It's a metaphor. Alternatively, I could yell it. To... Um, that one also has my life I trade in for your pain, which just makes sounds like a Yu-Gi-Oh card to me. What? <laughs> when I was watching one of these, like I finally had to pause it on one of the shots because it gives you a close-up on writing on the cock or on the head of one of the mobile suits. And I had to stop and like <coughs> frame by frame go find it because I wanted to know what it said. The funny thing is, you didn't ask me about it. They actually change it when the mobile suit shows up in the show. It's that, it's that frame there. Yep. It's very short, but... Because I'm never going to stop streak my dream. And that does not sound like what she's saying. No, I've always heard and seen it written out as, and I'm never going to stop with my dream. That makes more which sense. Which is, you know, a non-native phrase, but I get what they mean. Okay, then the episode starts, and from now on, we've got new content, mostly. The Minerva trying to fend off the blackening of Murasames. Yeah, without any, like, escort ships we get a cool shot of one in jet mode being torn apart and a reuse shot of one being torn apart from the last battle that still looks very good the orb escort fleet is closing in so they shoot missiles and have ray and luna try to hold them off and talia notes that they can't change course because they're basically surrounded which is why you probably should have brought you know more ships to this details can the minerva just fly <laughs> like that is something fly. I have presented, but we also went over like, yes, it can get off of the ground, but it can't necessarily get high into the atmosphere. So yeah. yes, it could theoretically fly over these, but maybe, you know, 150 feet off the ground, it's not going to get to, you know, airliner cruising altitude. I feel we like that limits your danger zone to just the Murasames, though, and you don't really have to worry about the ship to ship artillery. I No, the ship... Ship-to-ship stuff could still shoot you at that distance, We see at that height, and they're firing a lot of missiles. The only thing is that we do see a lot of land masses on their radar, and I feel like the Minerva should have tactical options because it can fly. Like, I feel like it should be difficult to cut off its escape because it can yeah, it fly. It could just fly over an island and yeah. go around yeah. the water ships. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get you there, but like... Saying that they could just get away from them by going over the top is not quite true. <laughs> that said, they're probably just entering range, right? Because they just came in. So yeah. if it is going to be true, that start of the battle is the point. Oh. And I presume because it can fly, the Minerva is faster. Probably faster than those things are. I totally missed this line earlier where Raul's like, so you're green today. <laughs> well, it makes sense since the yeah. impulse changes colors. And he's being blithe about it. As we mentioned last week, for some reason, Shin was like, eh, let's go with the blast impulse this time. I never use that. 
and somehow it can skate over the water. I mean, I'm fine with that, but it's not really it well been, established or if it explained. had been presented that it could do something like that. It would have been better, in my opinion. Instead, it's just like, OK, it can do it because otherwise our action shot doesn't work. So the abyss engages the blast impulse, but neither of them can really get a hit on each other. Especially when uh, the impulse ducks underwater. The abyss, you mean? No, the impulse at one point gets dunked. Well, yes, not that's yet. true. I actually really like that move because it's like one of the best things Shin has done that isn't just shoot a laser Except or something. Except for the speed he's going, it's going to wreck. Yeah, it's fine. Shin has some flashbacks to Stella in the lab and he kind of puts together that Owl has to also be an extended, which is kind of a cool shot. I don't know if this is him feeling sympathy or just having recognition. I do like that Shin is showing that he's putting the pieces together because... We haven't exactly been seeing Shin as a particularly intelligent individual. Like, he's going to put those things together. Yeah, there is a cool... Is this the one you were talking about yeah. where Shin just cuts the thrust to go under? Yep. And then pops back up. Yeah, that's probably going to do some more damage pitting a wall of water at that speed. He's I'm going to say the phase shift should... Like, it's impact damage, right? I feel like the phase shift would account for that i don't know how phase shift works it's all bullshit yeah but i was gonna say i'm willing to give it that bullshit oh don't oh we're gonna get to some sci-fi oh, bullshit oh, in this episode i'm excited about it oh just you wait tyler just you wait oh, i'm like the only person that that kind of a thing bothers like it's a cool shot don't get me wrong it's just my brain immediately went yeah that's gonna fuck you up doing that so the blast impulse pulls out it's beam javelin apparently Gundam it has javelin. a it apparently has a halberd that it's borrowing from uh, Shenlong at the moment. <laughs> well, to be fair, as Tyler implemented, that actually comes from the original Gundam. I don't know that we've ever seen this before. I think it's cool because I think Gundam javelins are kind of cool. But also, it, it is also kind of dumb because it's not like better than a beam saber in any appreciable way. I guess you I, could throw it better. Well, And why does the blast impulse have it? Like, that does make sense to have on... On board one of them, heavy not arti- the heavy artillery. Heavy artillery, and then you got like a little range pole arm just in I'm, case something gets well, too close. I'm pretty sure it has beam sabers just on it. Yeah, and it does. And we have seen when it was the naked impulse, it also has the BS knives. Yes, it's got the knives. Yeah. Um, so why does it have this stupid thing? Why not? Because, Zach, buy all our playsets and toys. <laughs> <laughs> I actually read in this last week from a source that I do not know if it has any um, relevancy or not, that the plan was to kill the Arca, have Moo shoot him down, but they had a bunch of Buster toys that weren't moving, so they decided to have him change sides to see if they could move more. <laughs> and that's very believable. I don't know that it's true. That is believable. I'm, <laughs> and That is one instance where it's like they had an idea for a seed that I think was actually worse than what came out in the end because like we were talking when seed came out they the at least talked about plan was have them use the strike rouge to say flay was doing it all yeah that's actually not a bad idea but killing diarca yeah i mean that was before he got a personality which i think is a relevant talk to this episode so the blast impulse engages the abyss in close combat amurasami transforms to try and fight athern but it's athern and a mook so predictably fails. I think one thing that's important to note as well is Atherin is not going for kill shots. He's been disarming. Yeah, he does the Kira wing chop, and as he does, he remembers the conversation he had with Kira about him being like, hey, we don't want you fighting against Orb, and clearly he's kind of shaken by it. The chaos arrives, and it's like, you're not your usual self today. As yeah, Atherin is flashing back to everybody he knows. <laughs> well, it's Heine's counter of point. Who would you fight then? And I think this asshole is on the list. It is interposing between, like, both Kira and Heine. Although it is funny, 
Heine says, stop worrying about it or else you'll die. And he's and Kira's like, I don't want to fight. One of these characters is still alive. <laughs> That's because Kira never employs fancy flying. He never drifts lazily to the left. I just had the thought. I've been thinking a lot about how would I change destiny? How would I improve it? What if instead of Heine giving him that speech, it was Izak? Because Izak ah. is someone who's fought against his own forces, if only briefly. Yeah, that would have held some huh. more impact, I think. It would have also had a little bit more of an emotional tilt, because we're already familiar with Izak. Exactly, and he's got a relationship with Athern, and that puts him as, like, a not quite the devil on his shoulder against Kira's angel, but I think that's, like, a much stronger place for that argument to come from. Where the hell are Izak and the Arca right now? In space. In space! I don't know. I never played the Gundam Sea Destiny video game, but I'm sure they threw it at the Arca and Izak level. We'll see them again this show. Assuming Izak and Diarca are with the Jewel team somewhere in space, because we saw them early on in the series. Yeah, there's no reason they'd be deployed on planet. Other than they're veterans and shit's clearly going sideways. But also they're veterans and the sons of important political figures, so... Well, are they really important political figures at this point? Definitely not Izak's mom anymore. Maybe Diarca's dad. It's hard to say. Because we don't really know a lot about... Like, what part his his dad was playing. In That's all true. That. He was a very minor voice when we heard him. But also, the, you do need some veterans to protect the home front, especially when they can just launch a nuclear attack from the moon at any time. It's not like they have them isolated to Earth at this point. Mm-hmm. More Murasames dying on the Minerva. Minerva also getting kind of beat up. When they're inflicting damage to the orb fleet. Yuna gives the order to put the second battle group to the Minerva to keep pressure on them, but Tadaka's like, the Minerva still has full use of their weapons. A random Gundam didn't show up and take out their main cannon this time. Yuna's like, what are the Marines doing? Shouldn't they be Zerg rushing them or something? What are our guys doing? Shouldn't they be just swarming it? And Tadaka's response is, the battle is far different from the games you're so good at. Yeah, I assume Yuna just plays StarCraft a lot. Which is something I really wish we'd seen a little bit more out of, because like that hasn't been mentioned to this point. Never. Literally never. Um, Except by us talking about his pro gamer dad, teaching him all the leap strats. (laughs) (laughs) So like, if it had come up as something earlier on when he was making like the first plan i think that would make this a lot more of a you know a better moment because right now it's just like it's coming out of left field yeah especially if you give him a victory then he feels like an anime villain not so much a gundam villain a slightly more whimsical anime villain but it gives him (laughs) that feel again i think there's a lot they could have done with unit to make him feel like more of a threat and that would have made him a much more effective character also in yuna's favor they have so many murasames yeah that is fair (laughs) (laughs) yeah they have a lot of guys i feel like you could just throw enough of them at the main cannon to clog it it's not a low and grin on this right it is a tonhauser yeah. But they do the same thing. Yeah, it's basically the same thing. I wonder if it's not repaired yet, because I find it odd that they don't use it this battle, since they were Me ready too. to in the previous That's one. a good point. If it's not entirely repaired yet, that would explain why they don't use it, and not we're not letting them use it because dramatic reasons. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like a single shot of that could uh, even the odds Because they didn't mention it at all, did they? No. About what it when they left. So unnamed squadron leader guy who will be important for the next 10 minutes or so. I bet that guy does have a name, but I don't know it. That's fair. Well, yeah, he's got to have a name because he's particularly important. Lieutenant oh, Baba. Lieutenant Baba. He okay. A, he does have a name. I missed that. So Lieutenant Baba's like, the fight's over if we just take the Minerva out, which is pretty much true. He All their right. run on batteries. Yeah, but if you take out their mothership, 
Like the, the the battle's over because it's one ship against fifty. Yeah. So they go in for a bombing run, which Mayron reports, and to Ellie, I guess the East will shoot them down. Which, to be what? fair, is about the only order she can give. She says, "Don't let them lock onto us. The people on board the ship don't exactly have any means of not doing that." Right. So one of them looks like it gets taken out, but they make a pretty successful bombing run and somehow avoid the preposterous amount of fire the Minerva's throwing at them. We've seen the Minerva taking a lot of things down, so I kind of just think that they finally get something through, is how this is supposed to read. Yeah. Because they've shot down so many Murasames, as previously mentioned. And to be fair, it is actually really hard to hit something like that. For from sure. A, from a ship. That just comes from like history so after gives a concerned panic look ray's arm has been blown off which is a cool shot his, his mobile suits arm i guess i should specify yeah he, he's missing his mobile suits arm luna mari is apparently still okay and manages to hit exactly nothing yeah she just can. like strafes a beam shot through the gr- group of them you know i do have to wonder like why would they keep sending luna mari out with the big howitzer cannon to defend the minerva when it would make a lot more sense to have something weaker because they're the normal energy blasts seem to be doing enough damage, so send her out in a standard gunner, not gunner Zaku. It's just it's just nor- standard Zaku. Yeah, w- but like if you have can have the pack or not have the pack, take the pack, right? Well, it depends on like what's the recycle rate on her gun. Yeah, I feel like the problem is that gun's like an anti ship weapon and not an anti like aircraft weapon. Yeah, and it, I feel it is like an anti. It, it is a weapon designed to be used against big targets, not little targets. I feel like a space shotgun would do a lot better here. <laughs> Well, the buster's been decommissioned, so <laughs> it at least does deter them, and Atherin gets back to defend the Minerva, but then the Chaos shows up and chases it away again. Sting throwing down some very Ezak vibes. Talia asks a pretty good question, where are the Savior and the Impulse? And then we get a shot of Atherin dealing with the Chaos. And Shin dealing with the Abyss, and Mayrin reports that. That. <laughs> that exact fact. They're currently engaged and cannot disengage. Atherin even came back and just kind of led the Chaos to them. Well, and then the Chaos chased him away again, which makes a lot of sense. The Chaos and the Abyss can tie up those two mobile suits, letting the squadrons attack the Minerva with impunity. Yeah, they even earlier said, hey, we'll let the Earth forces deal with the mobile suits. We're just going to attack the Minerva. This is another one of those animation things, because they go back around to to launch (laughs) missiles at them again. And we saw them launch all the the Murasames launch all of their missiles on their last run. So they go hard to port to try to get away from them as far as they can we get some cool shots of one-armed ray i like to shoot i them really down. like the tactical babble coming off of oh, coming out of talia it's good we get a shot that definitely looks like this murasami is going to kamikaze into the minerva mm-hmm. it's very purposely loaded then it transforms and does exactly that thing that they almost did to the archangel at alaska although the bridge is not the combat bridge so he's not literally gonna <laughs> shoot these people well, apparently he was because he was pointing it down at them and the screen showed him pointing the gun straight at the bridge but a laser from space comes down and blows up his gun and hey there's a kira yamato here and now there's murasamis don't have wings anymore <laughs> arthur looks excited like he's a fanboy he's like senpai's here to save us <laughs> ray looks angry luna mario looks terrified which actually makes sense because yep. that thing was pointing a gun straight at her sister yeah but yeah, we go through reaction shots of everybody. And Atherin's like, what is Kira doing here? I specifically told him to go hang out at Orb. And he apparently ignored me. Golly repeats her previous broadcast. There's a very cool shot of the Godfreeds basically tearing up territory between the Minerva and the Orb fleet. Just throwing up a huge wave of water. So Kagali starts speechifying. Which clearly has effect on some of the Orb soldiers and not others. 
Shen is like, she's doing it again. Unfortunately, it doesn't have any effect on Shen other than to make him angry because Shen is angry boy. Yeah, well, and I think this kind of proves his point about ideals are worthless, especially to him, but even generally speaking. Although, like, he does flash through, like, Heine's death. Although, they did stop the battle until Shin starts shooting at Kigali. Yep. Yep, he shoots a missile volley after her. After in panics, but the Freedom's got Vulcans. It doesn't even need to lock onto these missiles. Then he goes in to cut Shin's head off or something like he normally does. Cut his probably the missile launchers off. Well, Kira's like, that's a threat. Gonna unthread it. (laughs) I'm gonna deal with this real quick. This shouldn't take too long. And Athern's like, no, Kira, I like that guy. Shin fires his beams, but it's nowhere close to him. He yells that he's had enough. He's like, damn it, you are not just going to take me out of this fight like the last one. I am a main character, goddammit. And he goes into scene. <laughs> and we get an excellent shot of Kira going for the neck. And Shin does this like matrix dodge. And even Kira's like, oh shit, this guy has moves. <laughs> Kira's just got this expression of, oh, I may need to actually try. Yeah, because Shin's like purely hor- or like He's purely parallel limbo. with the ocean. It's pretty great. Yeah, with the freedom over him, it's a really cool shot. And we get a cut in of the two staring down at each other. The angles on it are super good. Shin screams and tries to get it with the javelin, but Kira's too fast for that. Yeah, I mean, the freedom is probably the fastest thing on the field right now. Maybe the savior, but I tend to agree with you. The savior's probably faster in jet mode, but in like full-fledged combat mode, I, I would wager the freedom's probably faster. So Atherin goes to engage it, yelling about how Kira was supposed to go back to Orb, which gets to him, but Shin is like, well, that's an intense fight. Oh, I'm not getting in between that. And then the abyss shows up, and <laughs> Shin's like, you fool. So we cut to Neo, who's calling Yuna, and be like, hey, what's up? And I actually really like this. Like, Yuna is super pressured to do his job, but it's, like, trickle-down pressure, because we very clearly see Neo also yep. feels tons of pressure from the shop to do this job. Yeah, to take care of the Minerva. Yeah. He broadcasts it to the whole crew, and Tadaka's like, yeah, we have no authority to refuse their orders. And he was like, yeah, we have to do it. And that's all Tadaka we have to is do, though. clearly, like, conflicted. Like, I, I really like that we spent time with Tadaka. Because, like, we know that this is something that has been bothering him from the beginning. Yep. So Atherin's like, stop it, Kira. You bailing us out only adds chaos to the battlefield. If we'd been sunk at the last battle, this one wouldn't even happen. <laughs> yeah, because these you battles are so orderly. If you would have just let the Minerva go down, like, 30 seconds ago. This would be done. Just to be fair, Atherin definitely still has that death wish. Kigali is kind of too shocked with Atherin clearly fighting Kira to do anything. And then then Sting fucking Aul is like, oh, I've got you guys. You're distracted. And Kira's like, bitch, the adults are talking. That is not what the subtitle said. Are you sure? The subtitle said, I've got you, gubs. (laughs) Uh, Maybe he's British all of a sudden. How Kira and Atherin are going at it. Both dodge. And Kira's, like Jeremy said, the adults are talking. Sit. This is one of the few shots that I really wish was better animated because it just kind of looks like Kira brings his beam saber down and the chaos <laughs> just falls to pieces, which just a little more animation would have really solved this. But yeah, like, even when he's going through and like disarming all of the Murasames where it's the, the one two motion when they show it. Yeah. As opposed to I did one swing and your and entire mobile suit falls apart. Yeah. I really like the shot, and I think it's within Kira's capabilities. It's just not well animated. Uh, so it's, no, I agree with you. It's just, I actually have one specific problem with this, and that's that Atherin's been fighting this guy for a while in a mobile suit vaguely comparable to the Freedom. Atherin has skills vaguely comparable to Kira's, and Kira just goes up and completely, like, no-shows this I'm guy. I'm actually pretty sure that 
the specs on everything in on the field right now are actually way lower than that of the Freedom. I wouldn't say way lower, but I definitely think the Freedom is like at least one power step above everything else because okay. it's the only nuclear powered machine in existence right now. And we've made a big deal of that. Also, this is kind of a very similar moment to when the druggies are attacking the freedom and the justice at first. And I think part of it is Kira just having a familiar confidence that Atherin has his back, even though they're fighting. And also, <laughs> um, one of the other things that's hard to discount is uh, the freedom has a lot more guns. Like, yes, he did slash him. I'm just like, that is one of the ways I use to metric. Like, it's got a higher power It's got level. the DACA. It's yeah. got all the DACA. My, my problem is mostly that Atherin has not scored a hit on this guy in several engagements. Atherin has been busy doing basically everything else. Yeah, like, that's fair. I think Atherin has been spending the more of The chaos is kind of like the end of his priority list. Well, because like he's trying to protect the Minerva. He's trying to protect Shin. So he's got all these people he's trying to look out for. So I think it's mostly a matter of like, yes, he's deflecting the chaos and dealing with it, but he can't put it down because he has to pay attention to everything else going on. I'll buy that. Also, the savior has never gone for a melee hit on the chaos, and the chaos doesn't have much way to defend itself from that. And I read this very much as that idea of you're most vulnerable when you go in for the kill. And Sting was like, oh, they're fighting each other. I have them. But he did and not have And then he failed. Them. Yeah. <laughs> and throughout then they dodge rolled. And throughout this entire thing, it's been pretty obvious that Atherin hasn't necessarily been at the top of his game or had his head screwed on straight. So the chaos hits the water and just slides. And you can tell it's a main character's mobile suit because it doesn't come apart at the seams or explode. I feel like it did come apart at the seams. Not when it hit the water. Yeah, that's true. So Gladys decides that even though the Archangel has no hostile intentions toward them, it's damaged them, so everyone is to consider it hostile. Although they never fire at it, so... Well, it's also kind of a mindset thing. They're not necessarily... They're not declaring it friendly, I think is would probably be a better, yeah. like, keep an eye on it because we don't know what they're going to do. They don't have don't a, shoot at it unless it shoots at us first. They don't exactly have a lot of firepower to spare on it. And Athens covering Shin from Kira running down and kicking the shit out of him. And I was like, hey, I caught you looking, Shin. You're distracted. Shin turns and the backpack takes the hit. The blast silhouette explodes. Well, he disconnects it and then it blows up. And then he hurls the javelin straight at the abyss, which is a pretty cool shot, and nails the cockpit. I like the use of it because of the fact that it makes sense. Since we've seen what the seed like stuff can do, and the pilot, like I will not wouldn't necessarily think, oh yeah, he's going to do anything to me because he saw this huge explosion from the blast impulse going off. And then yeah, and then suddenly there was a javelin in his face. And the way the blood feels his helmet is a cool shot, too. Owl's dead, right? Yeah, he dies Owl's here. dead. Okay. One episode before Nickel would have died in Gundam Seed, I feel like they're trying to do a similar thing because he kind of got characterization in the last couple episodes, right? With the mom thing and also him missing Stella. It doesn't play as strong as even Nickel's, though. I know I am the one of the three of us that cares at all about Nickel, <laughs> but this feels weaker. That said, if I... Diarca had died at this point in Gundam Seed, I feel like it would have been about the same. I, I think Nickel is actually, like... Nickel is a character I like because of his place in the story, but because they didn't characterize him a whole lot before then. And he is a character that he was around for almost the entire series. I think the other thing is that the Zala team was not like they were never strictly antagonists. Like they're antagonists as far as the plot goes, but they're not like strictly villains. Whereas the druggies and the Phantom Pain are painted pretty much yeah, as strictly villains. They've been painted strictly and straight up as bad guys. Which yeah. I think is actually one of the weakest parts of Gundam Seeds. We call them Druggies 2.0 because they're clearly parallel to the Druggies. 
But in story, they're really parallel to the Zala team, and they're just so much weaker. Well, at least that's the idea. The problem is they have about as much character as the original druggies, so... Well, that's the problem, is because they're tipping into the, how did they do the druggies, so... But the way they, like, control them means that they can't really build up character. And then on top of that, the fact that they disappear for, like, ten episodes... Yeah, that doesn't help. And they have no emotional core, right? Because the Atherin character is kind of Shin or Kira, you can argue who it is, but it's not part of the druggie team. And Atherin is who defines the Zola team, right? Nickel is with him, Isaac is other than him, and Diarca is with Isaac. Because you had Atherin as the, like, the, like, so the emotional core, like, of, of sympathy, and Isaac is antagonistic towards them. Yeah. And then you have their respective supporters, but you definitely have that aspect of the devil and the angel on the shoulder with the Zala team. Uh, anyway, Owl's dead. It's a cool death, but to me, it feels like we're sweeping a mobile suit we don't want to use anymore under the rug. <laughs> and Especially Barry, the way it dies. That's okay. This is maybe not my least favorite, but it's definitely not up there. Neo gets a moment to kind of mourn Owl's death, though. And then we get the eye catch. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this extremely action-packed episode of Gundam Sea Destiny with us, the people who actually have to watch this nonsense. I have an actual point of business this week. If you are one of the two people in the world who listens to our podcast on Google Play, we have received official communication from the Googs that Google Play Music is being replaced by the end of the year with YouTube Music. So if you haven't migrated that yet, then do so, I guess, so that you can follow us there and, you know, I don't know, go listen to some other podcasts. Nothing else of any particular import right now, but hey, stay tuned because I personally have something in the works. And we, as a group, may have something in the works soon-ish. On a surprisingly related note, if you're not a Patreon supporter, you missed the 12 or so outtakes that it took for us to get through the intro of this episode, because Zach died for some reason. I don't know what happened, I'm pretty sure he had an aneurysm. This is the last episode, by the way. Back to this, apparently the last episode. I feel like it's not so much mourning as, shit, my boss is gonna be pissed. They do recover the chaos, though. I do like how they, they say we recover the chaos and they dispatch a medical team. Like, that is actual dialogue. Dispatch yep. medical team to that place. And I do love that there's also, this is the last coordinates of the abyss so we can try a rescue. And I like that Sting has a reaction yeah, to and that. And they're, they're dispatching a specifically a helicopter to those coordinates. So without the blast impulse, the impulse apparently can't hover anymore. So it's kind of sitting in the water, treading, presumably. Like, it should be sinking. It, it's a giant metal thing that probably doesn't have buoyancy. It's phase shift armor. Don't worry about <laughs> it. I was just say, thrust, question mark, is all I can give it. But he's like, hey, send me the one that can fly before I sink. So they- Honestly, I think what would have, like, forgiven that, in my opinion, is if he had been floating on something, well, like a piece of ship Not debris. even necessarily that, but if he'd requested the, the force silhouette as he was disconnecting the, the blast impulse. That would have been badass looking at it as he's planning ahead as he's doing something in the moment as a reaction. Yeah, that would be cool. They launched the Terion beam. It's bullshit science. I looked it up and then I found out about this guy named Ash Gray and his official picture on the wiki. He has five eyes for some reason. Well, I mean, <laughs> there, there is the Tesla like wireless energy idea. I know it's not this. I, say, I know how that's supposed to work with my vague knowledge of electrical engineering, and it's not this. Well, I thought they mispronounced deuterium, which is an isotope of hydrogen, and that's not what this is, as far as I can tell. This is bullshit. (laughs) I mean, on the one hand... It's all bullshit. It is kind of a... 
I know I absolutely hate the thing, but like on the one hand, it would make sense to install some kind of like external recharger. But I thought we established earlier on in the series that the packs have their own batteries. There so is wouldn't the force silhouette have a full a battery? battery? I think the silhouettes don't, and the idea was that also the Gaia, the Chaos, and the Abyss are supposed to be on this ship, and they do not have packs. So instead of putting an external battery in the Impulses packs, they just came up with this system to recharge everything. But I, th- I thought it was earlier on in the series where he changed packs and... Oh, no, wait, I'm, I'm getting that, mixed was up. That the, strike, that was, the Strike the could strike definitely did do that. that. Yeah. I don't know that the Impulse has ever actually been shown to do that. Because we also haven't really seen him switching packs mid-combat very often. Just that first episode. I think he did it in the episode where he went crazy the first time. I think oh, he had you, to force... you're right, right. You are right about that. He switched the sword to blow up them ships. So now shit is flying in the air fighting Wyndham's like he do. Which means a bunch of Murasames are just going to go attack the Minerva. This is Tadaka giving the order to attack, or is it... It's uh, one of his subordinates. Urine. It's neither. <laughs> okay. So Kigali is horrified that they're still going. Atherin is angry. Shin is determined. And Kira just looks sad. Talia's nervous. Maru is there. <laughs> <laughs> Baba is also determined. Well, Maru definitely gives off the impression that this is a this is a woman who understands that a captain has to always uh, appear calm. She's going about it like, yeah, you know, it's nice to be involved in a battle where... Not everybody's trying to kill you. These ungrateful wretches. I would have killed to have a battleship like them show up in sight shooting our enemies. <laughs> and they have how many mobile suits on board? Four? Lucky bastards. <laughs> they had five for a hot minute. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah, remember? It was orange spice flavored. So Baba calls Pumpkin all spice, units sorry. to follow him and goes in for another attack run on the Minerva. He says all platoon units. I really feel like using squadron would have been a better terminology, but it's also because of, like, mobile suits are in this weird zone where they're, like, part tank, part They're Air Force infantry. So, like... Especially the Murasames are... Yes. Squadron makes sense, since to me at least, since they're all in fighter form. They mean fundamentally the same thing. But it bothers me for some reason. So the Strike Rouge shows up. It parks in front of them. Clearly, this guy believes that it's Kigali. She's like, hey, you have no reason to attack that ship. Orb doesn't fire on people who aren't its enemy. So quit it. Go home. I feel like it's pretty solidly its enemy right now, though. But Orb picked this fight. That's kind of what Kigali's point is. Like, we don't have a reason to attack them. Why are we doing that? Fair. So we see the Orb forces arguing over whether or not this is Kigali. And Baba's like, get out of the way. These orders come directly from Unaroma Seiren, our nation's current leader. So we have to do them. His intentions are the nation's. That is not really how that works. Okay, but... I I get it, theoretically. I do feel like willful disobedience is a possibility here. Like, my country right or wrong in the traditional meaning. I think, like, this is just an idea. I think this is actually more of just an, an Eastern idea that is foreign to us. Well, I don't know that it's foreign. We definitely have I was just following orders. No, the idea of his intentions are the nation's intentions type of thing. Yeah. Anyway, it's basically like, well, we got to do what he said because that's how it works. Overshots of a bunch of orb seamen escaping sinking ships. And then he basically delivers an ultimatum uh, that's, well, you can either get out of my way or I'll get you out of my way. Yeah. You will either move or you will be moved. The Archangel shows some more fires shots that we saw in the last episode. Yuna looks horrified, and I love how Tadaka in that shot just looks 
pain. Like, he is in physical pain. This whole episode is very Japanese, speaking of Eastern mentality. Like, the lengths that they are going to and what Tadaka is going to do soon. But he basically says everyone who is here was prepared to die when we left the nation in its defense. So now move or you will be moved, as Zach put it. And he grabs her and the Mario's throat from Smash Brothers to get her out of there. <laughs> I, I actually do kind of like, because like, he could have gone for something more lethal, but he literally just moved her. So like, in, in theory, and this is probably me attributing to it, like, he still thinks of her as a government official or someone that yeah, someone deserves important. respect. So he's not going to actually attack her, but he is going to literally move her out of the way. We see Kira kind of panicking about that. Atherin just looks conflicted. Maru is kind of panicked as well when Kigali gets tossed back towards the Archangel. Bob is like, you will witness our tears and determination and turns into a fighter jet to ram the Minerva. Kamikaze! He goes on a kamikaze run. Fun fact, I learned where that came from recently. Divine Wind. Well, yes, but I learned where the original phrase came from. And there was the name for the typhoons that destroyed the invading Mongol fleet in the 1200s. That makes sense. Luna tries to shoot them down, but her big cannon is useless. And then Luna blows up. Like, wow. Yeah, Luna takes a hit that destroys her mobile suit. And we see an explosion in the cockpit. Mayrin and Ray both panic. Even Arthur and Gladys give a look. Well, because, like, that's one of the people they know, and that's one of the people who are supposed to be protecting the Minerva. Yeah. Kigali just looks broken. As Atherin mm-hmm. continues to get in Kira's way. Stella's on the ship. Yeah. <laughs> That is such a weird... I get it. It's to help, like, ramp up the tension without just showing another explosion. It adds some stake. She will die if the Minerva goes down. I mean, I think you're right. It's just, I don't care about Stella. (laughs) So Ray continues one arm trying to shoot them down. Shin shows up to try. They get a shot on Baba's Marasabe, but as put previously, he just rams it into the Minerva. I really wish when Gladys tries to give orders to get out of the way... She orders another port turn. So in theory, they're going even harder to port port. instead of, you know, trying to go to starboard or something like that. He takes out the Tristans. And clearly the Minerva is in really bad shape. I like that we see a team trying to recover a Luna Maria who is still alive. Although I do have to wonder why none of them are wearing like combat gear. Yeah. Like, none of them are wearing vests or helmets or anything like that. Like, we've seen on board a lot of the orb ships where they've got the helmets and the, and the vests. Oh, we see Neo saying, hey, we're almost there. We just have to finish it off. Again, he seems more composed than Yuna, but in a very similar position, especially since he's lost all his Gundams now. Well, and he's he's actually right. From what we know of the Minerva's situation right now, it is almost. Yuna delivers a line that is pure gold in the dub. Where he's like, this is good. This is what we should be doing. This is good for us. It's good, actually. <laughs> His says, as long as we destroy the Minerva. Tadaka is clearly upset with this, but. And she's like, hey, send me the sword, because I've got to go destroy those battleships there. Look at all these explosions around us. We'll get hit eventually. <laughs> it's a really good thing. Nothing damaged the catapult for the. That's exactly impulse. what I was thinking. Is like, man, this would be extremely inconvenient if. He couldn't send that piece out. We get Kieran's Atherin! And Atherin just like, the Earth Forces set this up. Are you saying the Minerva should be sunk? He's like, have you watched any of the fire we've put down? <laughs> yeah, have you have you actually been listening to anything we've said? And yes, the Earth Forces set this up. You could have brought more guys. <laughs> the impulse changes to sword mode. And Kira's like, why can't you understand? And Atherin's like, hey, I told you to go back. You say you don't want to fight, but here you are fighting. Trying to stop a fight. 
Tadaka decides to go forward in a move I find tactically questionable. I feel like he's just trying to uh, put the fear of God into Yuna. It's like, well, you're fine sacrificing everyone else. Time to sacrifice ourselves. I don't think he's intentionally trying to put the fear of God into Yuna. But the idea of, like, everybody attack is kind of a... Yep. Like a Japanese thing. Like, I know that's one of the That is one of the reasons they got burned at Midway is because they went on the offensive as soon as everything was burning. And they have taken out the Minerva's main gun. They've seen no sign of the Tannhauser. So they at least have that change in the tactical situation. Yuna's like, hey, should we go? I mean, do we have to go? I do like how his executive officer is just following his orders. Yeah, Lieutenant Longnose. And Tadaka says, we're supposed to sink the Minerva, right? So let's go. And Yuna's like, oh no, those things I said came back to haunt me. So Shin starts carving up battleships. Apparently managing to sink battleships despite the fact that he doesn't do any damage below the waterline. It's right. They're made of TNT. They just explode at the slightest contact. That's Orb's secret. That's how they can make (laughs) ships so fast. They just throw a bunch of TNT together and it makes a battleship. Well, I guess to be fair, if, if you did hit a ship's main magazine, then that does nasty things. So Kigali goes charging off to Orb. Yeah, to try to stop Shin, presumably, since he sees him carving them up. Kira goes to try to cover her, but Atherin is on his tail. And Kira's like, I, yeah, I get your point, but Kigali's crying right now, and that's what's important to me. And it uh, should be important to Atherin. Yeah, he's like... Oh, and it, it actually is, because, like, Atherin looks like Kira punched him after he says that Kigali is crying. Yeah, and he's like, it's because this is exactly what she was trying to prevent, and here we are. And she Why couldn't do anything more. you anymore. understand... I do like that he says, and you think, like, none of this could have been prevented? You think this is all Orb and Kigali's fault when we're trying to stop it? Over some very cool shots of the sword impulse doing its thing, using those beam boomerangs. And Atherin kind of, it's a shocked reaction, and Kira goes, if that's it, I have to defeat you. And then he goes seed mode. I do like how Atherin doesn't have a response. Yeah, I think that's because he knows he's kind of wrong here. I I think he realizes (laughs) that he's kind of been wrong the entire time. So they charge at each other, and Atherin should know he's fucked, because Kira tossed his shield away. Kira's like, I don't need this. They clash beam sabers, which is really cool. They go off, and then Kira uses his free hand to draw the other one and takes- I love the, like, the animation of him drawing the second beam saber. Right into the savior's arm. And, like, he's holding it reversed and everything. That is rad as hell. Yeah, and then he just decides that since he's disarmed Atherin, he's also going to dishead and dislike him. And he just does a carving motion with the two sabers and takes off all of the savior's limbs. And we see it crumbling before the freedom. Which is in, like, nice shadow silhouettes. It's in, like, a demon lighting. Yeah, it's really good. And now they get the response of Mayron being you know, horrified that Atherin, they've lost contact with him. And an orb carrier is approaching, so they don't have time to deal with that. I almost wish this moment was a little more putting Atherin on the bad side. I get his hesitation. I really like that Kira is able to beat him because he is in this moment centered and Atherin is floundered. I almost wish that Atherin had gotten harder heal in a way though. Like I wish he had attacked Kagali in some way, even if that's just throwing them her. Yeah, in, huh. like gotten into the gotten in the way or something like that of Kagali specifically. I think that would really show Atherin has like lost his way. Whereas here it just seems like he doesn't know what to do. Um, honestly, I'm fine with how it is, because part of what's been a problem for him so far is his, like, lack of determination, and, like, we're still seeing him not having any determination. And him getting, interfering with Kira as opposed to Kigali makes a certain amount of sense, because while Kigali is going to speechify, Kira's the one that's going to really fuck everything up. 
There's also that. And Athwin's like maybe the only person who can stop Kira. And if Kira says that we should go back, he can take Kigali with him. <laughs> well, like, <laughs> Come on, we're Kigali, leaving. <laughs> how is Kigali going to stop Kira from doing that? The Freedom can tow the Strike Rouge if it wants. So Gladys is also like, hey, why the hell is this carrier coming right why at us? Why is there a carrier charging us? I do like this shot we get of the radar of all the counter missiles trying to intercept. And we just see them blowing up more and more missiles, but some still get through. But they're in the range of the Minerva's laser guns that I can't remember the name of right now. Are they the Tristan? No, they're not the Tristan. The Tristan's the shell-firing cannon. Are, These they're not are the Azolds. Are they? Yeah, they are the Azolds. I do yeah. remember yeah. that their guns are named after operas. So Kigali has name-dropped the ship. She's also like, hey, why are you doing this? Well, even Ray is just taking pot shots at Yep, it. I love it. <laughs> you know, they, they did say the main guns were offline on the Minerva earlier. I do kind of wish we'd gotten a line about damage control. Oh, we did at one point. Yeah, I, we, we got about how did. they're down to 40% of no, their... No, I mean like about damage control getting it back online. Oh, okay. Uh, because they did say the main guns were offline. I think they just meant the Tristans. Maybe. So Yuna is collar grabbing Tadaka. As Tadaka orders everybody off. All hands abandon ship. I will take responsibility for losing this carrier as I decide to sail it into the Minerva and all the loss of life. Kigali is pleading with the ship to stop. Shin takes a few pot shots at her, though. And a random... Murasame jumps in the way. Yeah. I actually like that. Because, again, it shows that the average soldier for Orb does believe this is Kigali. Despite the fact that everybody's been telling them that it's got to be an imposter. Kira comes flying to help her, two beam sabers still in hand. And Tadaka is, like, confronting Yuna by saying, I will do anything to take out the Minerva. After this, the whole world will know of Orb's bravery. I do love how he finally just grabs and tosses Yuna. Though, I feel like the... I like the sentiment where this is coming from for Tadaka. I just don't necessarily feel like this is quite the right way to go about doing that. Because, like, <laughs> up to this point, Tadaka has been very much on the side of, like, we have to keep our soldiers alive. And, just gonna say it, guys died when the Azolds hit the carrier. Yeah. Like, guys yep. are dead from that. I do wish there was something else that they were able to, like, if you'd ordered all hands off the ship before they started advancing. That would, I think, make a lot more sense for what this is trying to show. It also seemed like they were winning, right? Like, Shin is starting to turn the tides. But I don't think the episode has done a good job of making it feel like he's had a huge impact. Even a line like that of like the impulse has destroyed our front line. Yeah, he, like, it's gotten like all of, to, yeah, it's gotten our screen or something like that. Or, you know, something along the lines of all of our aircraft, all of our mobile suits, like we're down to like 20 percent or something like that. Instead, he just like decides, all right, I'm going to suicide charge for yeah. absolutely no real reason. Yeah, and I kind of wonder if he didn't think it was going to be a suicide charge when he first ordered it. I think he intended this from the beginning. Just yeah, looking I, at his expression when he first orders it and what he says to Yuna. I agree with Zach. Anyway, he gives a speech about how you're ordering them all to save Unaroma, not for his sake, but for the country. Lieutenant Lognose is like, I'll stay too. And he's like, no. I will take sole responsibility. That is, that has happened in history where the executive officer insists on staying as well and he is refused. Yep. We get a cool shot of Ray's other arm being blown off and there's a cool cut to Tadaka reacting like his ship has been hit at the same time. Mm -hmm. He tells the executive officer that he's in charge. Take everybody else and go away. If you want to like sacrifice your life or fight for beliefs, you have to go to the Archangel and take everybody who wants to go with you. I remember watching films about the Archangel when I was a kid, two years ago. <laughs> well, Tadaka, like, was there. Yeah. So 
He's like, I actually have faith in that ship. They saved Orb once. I believe they'll do it again. I do love how, like, now that he's made a decision, Tadaka is really fired up. Like, I like the sequence. I just don't like how we got here. Yeah, agreed. Shin finishes slashing a ship and makes the jump to the Takamikazuchi. We get an excellent scene where more the demon impulse, lighting on the impulse. Yeah, the impulse shrouded in flame approaches the bridge where Tadaka is the only person standing. This he's the only person left on the bridge at yep. this point, presumably. This is one of those moments where I really wish we'd gotten more Tadaka and Shin when they were there, because that would make this a lot more poignant. I think it works pretty well. I do agree with you. Generally speaking, I wish this was a relationship we got more of. But I actually really appreciate the dramatic irony of Shin is killing this person who helped him tremendously and set his life on this course without even realizing it. Yep. That's the thing, is that Shin really should be able to see Tataka because the, <laughs> the camera, the camera should, le- should there's a lot of smoke show in there. who he is. Also, I don't know if this is intentional or just because there's fire. It gives me vibes very similar to Lord Azumi sacrificing himself. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. And I guess this is a move in the Orb Commander playbook. <laughs> Go down with the ship. You get plus Especially two. if it's unnecessary. Get plus two forward well, to someone of, else. One of the main reasons why I wish we'd gotten more of the relationship between the two is because of what happens right after he dies. I mean, you paused it before that. But we go through like all of the things that Tadaka did to help Shin. Yeah. As the ending song credits begin to play. Like I said, I think it works pretty well. I would like more Tadaka Shin stuff, but less for this moment and more for previous stuff. I think it would make a moment like this so much harder hitting if we'd gotten a lot more. In part, because I just wish we had more Tadaka. (laughs) If I'm honest, I just wish we had more Tadaka. That's fair. We get a shot of Talia sort of reacting to his destruction. The bridge of the Archangel looking on in shock. Hey, remember Millie's there now? (laughs) (laughs) Well, like... Honestly, it makes a lot of sense that everybody's shocked because that's the Orb flagship. Yeah. That just went up in flames. Neo salutes. As do his fellow officers. Well, they're acknowledging the sacrifice that the ship made. Golly cries. Kira is in seed mode. We get a bunch of people on life rafts also saluting, including Lieutenant Longnose. Uh, just going to say, guys, you don't really want to be doing that on a life raft. Don't want to stand <laughs> up like that. You're going to tip it over. It's fine. And then we cut to what's actually a special ending for just this episode and not me lying about it. It's kind of nothing special. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, ooh, a new ending. I'm like, "Eh, it's kind of mad. The ones that they're going with don't really fit the episode because they don't really have anything to do with it. Hey, you know how much Lacus and Kira were together this episode? Yeah, but Luna's dead now, and so we have to pay memoriam to her. Same with Aul. We know Luna's not dead. They showed her afterwards. We saw her lip moving. And (laughs) Atherin's true father, (laughs) Durundal. That's the only reason for that dramatic turn. And now Shin and Kira are with Atherin between them. Huh, I hadn't noticed this before, but Kira's un- or Kira- Kira's current like flight suit is blue, Shin's is red, and Atherin is in the middle of them with purple. Yep. I'm sure that was intentional, actually. Oh, I guarantee it was in- intentional. And that does it for this episode. I do really like a bit, I don't know if it's in the original, but in the dubbed version of the next time on Gundam Seed, because I watched through because I watched this ending, it does refer to Durendal throughout it as a Gilbert. It's like, and then Gilbert makes a weird decision. It's, it would be like if a news reporter was like, today Donald tweeted that. <laughs> and I'd be like, duck? <laughs> to be fair, in my notes from one of these episodes, I definitely refer to him as the G-Man. So, <laughs> Yeah, but you're trying to be snarky for content. Uh, this not necessarily. Ne- this next time on is trying to build tension about Gilbert making <laughs> an important decision. Fair. 
Uh, I always forget his name is Gilbert. Yep, Gilbert Durundle. You know, that name that has ever existed. So, uh, now that we've gotten through it, any changes of opinion, Tyler? Still kind of mixed. Like, I think overall positive. I don't know. I feel like there was, like, a lot of lead-up missing to this. I feel like we spent a lot of time spinning our wheels and then got to a point where suddenly it's dramatic, and I don't feel like we've really earned the drama we got. The Gundam Sea Destiny story. Yep. Do you have a high point, Tyler? Quite a few, I think. But I think it's specifically going to be Kira dismantling Athrin. As, he got saviored. As also, <laughs> as also a reflection of their emotional states. I like that a lot. It's very good, Zach. That was the obvious one. Oh, there was like um, three obvious ones, I think. I have to go with the very end and the juxtaposition of Shin killing Tadaka. Like, I actually really like that whole scene of Tadaka ordering everybody off the bridge and everything like that. I don't like how we necessarily got there, but I really like I like that whole sequence. I yeah. think it's a really strong moment for the series. Also, I think that sums up everything I feel about this show so far is I don't really like how we got there, but that sure was a cool scene. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler's is the obvious one. The one I'm going to take, though, because I was sure someone was going to get to it for me is Shin going, fuck you, I'm a main character too. I'm in this battle. And being like the first person to avoid Kira Yamato since like Raul LaCruce. <laughs> and Kira, Kira being like, so surprised. Kira's expression in that moment. Like, I oh. never miss. Wow. Someone dodged. Did you have any uh, honorable mentions, Tyler or Zach? My second choice was actually Zach's. So okay. I think uh, the Murasame jumping in front of Kigali. Like, That's I actually really good. thought that was a really good moment. My second choice was, like, the show letting us believe for a moment that Luna died. Yeah, I I knew she didn't die, and when that happened, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, it's, this always sounds a little weird. It's cool to see main characters get messed up. Yeah. Because, and especially with series like this, where a lot of times, when you get to a certain point, main characters don't get messed up in on anymore. Yeah, I legit thought Kira died, so I'm... <laughs> In retrospect, kind of sad he didn't, but imagine how this would have turned out. Everyone, actually, this wouldn't have happened. The Earth would have been destroyed by a giant yeah, space we, laser. Yeah, we, we went over <laughs> that what if. Rather Crusade would be like, I win! <laughs> Humans <laughs> suck, I win! Yeah, we did that what if on the, uh, the wrap-up episode. <laughs> Say what you will about national socialism. Low point, Tyler. Hmm. I don't know. You'll have to come back to me. I'm trying to think of, like, what an actual low point in this is. There are lots of not high points, I guess. Zach? I think I have to go with the lead up to Tadaka's death, like just ordering the carrier forward like that. Like, I think they could have done that a lot better instead of just basically sacrificing who knows how many people below decks from those uh, is old hits. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with Craigali, which is all she does anymore. Oh, yeah. It would be one thing if she hadn't done it in the last episode. And like we said, in both, it makes sense. Here, it's stronger emotionally. So I'd like to keep it here. So let, that means let's get rid of it earlier. I also would have loved if she did anything like, again, I've got a weird direction in mind for when I talk about how I want to fix destiny, but I think it would be cool if she actually engaged Shin and was holding him off for a bit. And maybe Atherin had to bail Shin out. And that's when Kira w went to intervene. That would have actually been kind of interesting. I, see, I wouldn't have a problem with Kigali crying in this sequence. If she was doing more than just hovering and crying. Yeah. And I feel like getting a one up on Shin would be enough. I understand why, though. Like, she's not, for a variety of reasons, not allowed to attack the orb pilots. Yeah. No, so. but if she was holding off Shin, even if it was only for a couple of seconds, like, she's not going to beat him. 
because he's on the same level as Kira is in seed mode. And Kigali like, has basically no combat experience, despite the fact that she has combat experience. She has very much. Well, she's like she's probably she's been a, shot down a couple times. She's probably a little bit higher level than uh, your average pilot. Well, but she's not a mook. Like she's not at the level of Athrun, Kira, or she's even fought Luna wars, Mario. you know. Is Millie a better pilot than Kigali? And no, I, think I don't the think, no, think yes. Kigali. <laughs> I don't think Millie has any, any piloting training. But she's photographed wars. That doesn't make you able to pilot an extremely <laughs> advanced piece of hardware. It does allow you to dual-wield chainsaws, though. You have a low point dual-wield. <laughs> Only if you have a kayak paddle to duct tape them to. <laughs> I'm still not really coming up with a like an effective low point. Maybe just the fact that we don't actually get a lot, or everything that we get from the bridge crew of the Minerva this episode is basically just like, oh no, we're under fire, and there's like really no dialogue. Although, uh, I feel like Mayrin gets yeah, a fair bit. Yeah, the problem is like Mayrin actually gets to do stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't really have a good low point for this I episode. I like the battle babble that goes on on the... Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, there is the Kira slashes once and the chaos falls apart. Yeah, that's not great, but also not the worst. Um, I might actually go with the last time on taking up nearly two full minutes and being basically just the last two minutes of the last episode. If there's a time for that, though, it's this episode, I feel like, to be fair to it. But yeah, a cold open would have been way better. Yeah, I feel like there was more in that than was necessary to remind us of what's going on right now. It's a pretty minor nitpick, though, so... All right, time to put the savior on this list. Because it exploded. Yeah. Because it did its thing. <laughs> it, it did its primary thing. I think I'm the biggest fan of the savior in the world, personally. <laughs> I think it's Atherin's best mobile suit. Now, really? Yeah. No, I would not put it above where we have the Justice, because you guys both like the Justice more than me, and I think the Justice is pretty good, too. But I find the Justice is very middling to me. It's good Gundam. It's not great Gundam to me. I like the Justice a lot more than I like the Savior. I do like the Savior's plane mode a lot more than I like, I think, any other transforming mobile suit. Honestly, I just think the Savior is just... It's it's just another Gundam. Like It's just another transforming red Gundam. It's one of the most effective uses of a plane mode that a Gundam has in the series. And I am just a sucker for those railgun-type weapons. I agree it's probably the most effective use we've seen of it. Or a scene of the, like, plane transformation. The problem is, like, the mobile suit overall just feels, like, pretty generic to me. And also, Athra never does anything super cool with it. He's had plenty of opportunities, and he just never really, like... He mostly just kind of flies around. Yeah. Do we not have the Aegis on here? We've got to have the Aegis. Do we seriously not have the Aegis on here? That doesn't seem... We had to have. It's possible it just didn't get written down. Okay, let's put the Aegis on this list first, I guess. <laughs> How do we think the Aegis compares to the Duel? I don't really like the Aegis. It's like limb beam sabers are cool. It's got one of the dumbest transformations in Gundam, though. The crabs. <laughs> I think uh, I like it more than the Duel, though. I think I agree. I would agree with that. You know, I'm tempted to go back through all of our backlog and see if we already ranked the Aegis and yeah. see where we put it. So am I. I think it's probably better than the Blitz as well, honestly. I mean, I like the stealth mode on the Blitz, but I think I might agree with you. I don't think it's as good as the Strike Rouge, though. Mm. The Aegis is the one with the cool foot sabers, yes. right? Yeah. Mm. The problem is the Strike is pretty good, and Strike but Pink is also pretty good. I think I probably prefer the Aegis, so I think that comes down to Zack for a tiebreaker. Mm. Aegis or, Str- or Strike Rouge. I'm assuming Strike Rouge custom with Kigali's logo on it, because that definitely <laughs> bumps it up a couple points. <laughs> uh, I think I have to say I agree with Tyler. Like The Aegis is okay, but the Strike Rouge is just the Strike, but pink, and I think it's a little better because of that. 
All right. Is it better or worse than the Sky Grasper? Wait, I think you actually I just really... agreed with Jeremy on that one. You, you did. But I, I'm grasping <laughs> I don't, do you, Which one goes above which here? Is the strike the above... strike rouge goes above the aegis. Okay, yes. Yeah, so you agreed with Jeremy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever. Just making sure. <laughs> I don't listen to you. I'm okay with it going above the Sky Grasper for sure. I really like the Sky Grasper. Even though it's a little bit on the big side for a fighter, it does fall right into that. I think I'd probably put the Sky Grasper above the Aegis. I wouldn't, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think it's close. Okay. I think I like the Savior more than the Aegis, though. I think I agree. I feel like the Savior is a much more effective transformation overall. And I also like it more than I like the Strike Rouge. Zach is nodding. The Savior, it's just, like, it, it, to me, it's just another transforming mobile suit. It feels too generic. Like, it's red generic. That's all it is. I also feel like it's a wasted name because Athrun does very little saviorine with it. That's definitely true. Like I said, I'm the biggest savior fanboy I think there is, so I'm going to aim for it high. I definitely like it more than the Strike Rouge, though, mostly on the strength of those hip cannons. And also, I like its transformation quite a bit. Which then become forward cannons. I mean, I'm already kind of on on the listing of saying I really don't like transforming mobile suits to begin with. So, like, having, I transform, and I'm generic as hell. Doesn't do it any favors. What if the Baku transformed into a tank? God, that's terrible. <laughs> I know, but that's what it would do. No, I think we already know the, the Baku would transform into a humanoid mobile suit, because we've seen it do exactly that. Oh, so, Gaia. I, I agree with you, by the way, Jeremy. How uh, do we think it compares <laughs> to the Murasame, then, which t- takes its transformation sequence? I feel like... The Mursame is kind of rad when it's in either form. It, yeah, and I feel like the Savior is just a slightly better Murasame. Yeah, that's uh, where I am, too. I would take the Savior over a Murasame, though. The Murasame was my favorite grunt suit for a long time. It's good. I think now I like the Zakus more, as our list reflects. But yeah, I was going to say the Zakus are dominating the top of the list, so... But I, I prefer the Savior to the Murasame, um, if only on color scheme. And Zach is also nodding. I'm not sure. No, he... I don't. I think I prefer the Murasame, personally, to the Savior. You are voted two to one. You are nodding with the points, at least. Well, I was <laughs> nodding to the points because I was listening to the points. I think the one of the reasons why the Murasame would go above it because is because it's actually a kind of cool-looking, transforming grunt suit. Yeah, that's all fair points. I don't think it's as good as the Ale Strike, as big of a fanboy for it as I am. Uh, I would agree with that. I think I also agree. I'm also confused how the Gawain got so high on this list. Zach because I really like the Gawain. Which one is the Gawain? It's the Anubis-headed dual Okay, seater. that's what I thought it was. It, yeah, it's the one that C2 has to be there. <laughs> how do we think it compares to the Calamity, then? I definitely like it more, but I always prefer a fast mobile suit to a brick. I like the Calamity's heavy artillery. I forgot which one the Calamity blue. was. That's not helping. It's got guns. <laughs> it has all the guns. It rides on the Raider. <laughs> oh, this thing. I think I was less of a fan of the Calamity than either of you two, so I'd probably have to give it to the Savior. Although the, the blue and gold is really good, so. I'd give it to the to the Calamity. I think I'd give it to the Savior, though. So the final question, is it better or worse than the Gawain? Again, <laughs> again as the Savior fanboy, I'm going to say better. Um, I, I I had to go look up a picture of the Gawain. Really I really like the, the Gawain's head. like Anubis aesthetic, and I think it's got a better color scheme. I like the Gawain fine, and I'll agree with you on color scheme. Um, and I really like the idea of it being like a command unit by having a dual seater. But again, it feels like a brick to me. And like I just said with the Calamity, for basically the same reasons, I like the Savior more. And as stated a hundred times, I'm a huge Savior fanboy. It also never does anything super cool. Oh, but it's got like that sun, like the... 
Egyptian sun aesthetic yeah. behind it and stuff. There's a reason mm. why I really like the Gawain. That said, I do agree. I really like the mobility that the Savior has. I mean, uh. I, I honestly, I think almost, I really like the Gawain, but I think most of the Code Geass suits that we didn't rank are actually end up higher because they're really cool. I agree, cool. yeah. I feel like the Lancelot and the red one that's named, the, the Garen Mark II, would. I, I don't like a lot of other designs. I really like I, I, Code Geass, though. I really like the Senkiro. Which one is that? That's the one he gets at after. At the end? Yeah. I like the one that he's in in Super Robot Wars T. I like it hero. a lot as like what I want to play in an RPG. Like in a Super Robot Wars, I want him to have that because I like that aesthetic. But I, well, maybe I would go up above here. The Ale Strike is, it's not an all-time great for me, but it's way up. If you're better than the Ale Strike, you're you're doing something right. And honestly, like I said, the, the Gurren Mark II is legitimately one of my favorites. I love that thing. I love the asymmetry it has. And the Lancelot is just the Gundam, and hey, let's set an ale striker pack on this thing, and <laughs> at the no end. one notices. Also, roller skates. Don't forget about the roller skates. It does roller have skates. the roller skates. That's true. <laughs> so, better or worse than the Gawain, Tyler? After stirring out of it, I feel like the Savior is more practical. The Gawain looks a lot cooler, though, and this list is basically rule of cool, so I'm going to have to give it to the Gawain. All right, then. The Savior will go at number 16, above the Calamity, and below the Gawain. Yeah. Now, I do think the Savior would win in a fight, but... Well, I yeah, I, I kind of think Gundam, especially Seed, is just like a power level above where Code Geass mechs are. Yeah, because With remember, the exception of like the Gawain and the Lancelot. Well, remember one thing or, about uh, the... The Gurren and the Lancelot. The Gawain is... piloted by Zero, who can't pilot also. Uh, it's actually piloted by, like, C2 is actually driving. Um, it's the first mobile suit in that series that can fly. Yeah, that's fair. So, like, that's a major step up. Look at me, I can hover. Whereas, I've got like, lasers. in Seed, we already had the Dins, which were flight capable. Yeah, and I feel like a Jin outguns most things in Code Geass. Now, they probably outmaneuver the Jin and can beat it on that, but even uh, starting at that, I feel like. Depends, because the Jins can, like, the Jins can jump. It, I think it depends on the terrain, because if they're in, in like, a city where you can see them, like, climbing walls and stuff with the roller skates, like, that's really cool. But I think in, like, almost any other fight, the Jin's probably going to win on virtue of the fact that uh, I think they're bigger in this. Actually, I know they're bigger, and they have the sword. Yeah, the sword helps. All right, that does it for this week. Join us next week when we will be watching episode 29, Fates, because after all this excitement, we just need to slow down. For an entire episode. Oh, you mean we're not going to be starting to talk about Kogias and just skip the rest of Destiny? <laughs> I mean, even if we were doing Code Geass, we'd have to get through Destiny first. But I don't wanna. It is our destiny. So next week, we have to watch a clip episode. It is our destiny.